This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Welcome to this edition of the NACOcast. My name is Sean Rice. I play second clarinet with the National Arts Center Orchestra, and I'm here today to tell you about the next Wolfgang Sessions. This Saturday, January 16th, the Wolfgang will descend upon the Mercury Lounge in the Byward Market to perform Wolfgang Sessions 5. We have a great program ahead with music by Marian Mozatic, Vivian Fung, Andrew Staniland, Elizabeth Rom, and Sammy Musa. Today, we're very fortunate to have Andrew Staniland join us to talk about his piece, The Beauty of Reason. Welcome to the NACOcast, Andrew. Thank you. Great to be here. So, um, this work that you wrote is a duo, originally for harp and cello. We're going to be playing it for harp and bass clarinet, myself and Michelle Gott. Could you tell us about the inspiration for this work and the ideas that you had while writing it? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy to. Um, it's actually interesting, the, the story of how this piece came to be in the first place. Um, I was approached several years ago, almost uh, almost four years ago now, uh, by two two colleagues from the west coast of Canada, um, Ariel Barnes and Heidi Crutzen, who are, of course are a uh, cello and harp duo called Couloir. Mm-hmm. And they were interested in commissioning a whole bunch of new repertoire for this fairly unusual combination of, of uh, cello and harp, which is a very, very beautiful uh, combination. And I was, I was interested, but the opportunity never presented itself in a, in a way that was good for, for me or for them at the time. It never quite worked out and years and year after year went by and I think it took almost three years before or like between the ask for the piece and the actual moment I sat down to write it. There was, it was I think three years in between. So we had, there was a, a fairly large gestation period thinking about what, what kind of piece I was I wanted to write uh, for sure. And as you mentioned uh, this, this the piece on the on, on the concert this week is uh, an ad- another adaptation of that where I uh, had a lot of fun translating the uh, cello line into a bass clarinet line which is which is a, so you can sort of think of it as a translation from one language to another it's not just simply <laughs> it's not moving just notes around but it's it's uh, it's uh, almost like translating a poem from one language to another right yeah. well, lots of similarities but a lot of a lot of creative decisions to make as well you know? so the, the the title of the work is the the beauty of reason and so I'm curious as to why, why you came up with that title. How does it does it have any real any meaning for the work and how you compose the work? It does. It has a, a fairly personal uh, meaning for me as well. And you know, sometimes when you write uh, a piece, sometimes you know the title before you even write a note. Um, and sometimes uh, you uh, finish the piece and, and agonize for weeks or months as to what, <laughs> what am I, I going to call this. Um, and I'm sort of all over the place on that spectrum, but but this piece was one of the pieces where I was not sure what to call it, okay. uh, and and I, did, I didn't make the decision until until the very last possible moment, you know, before the the before the printing press sort of ran, so to speak. <laughs> right. And it wasn't that I I knew exactly what the, what the piece was about for me, you know, spiritually or aesthetically or musically. Uh, there's no question, but it's sometimes it's just hard to it's hard to put a name on it sometimes, and as you know the 
Montreal composer John Rea says. He's, he says that titling a piece is actually an act of poetry, and it's and as such, it can be difficult for people who aren't poets, like, mm-hmm. like myself. But anyway, with that, uh, <laughs> with that caveat, uh, the, the title is, is meaningful in a couple of ways. It's descriptive of, um, of the kind of musical discourse that happens within the duo throughout the piece. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the harp and the, and the bass clarinet are almost incomparable in their qualities of sound production and the ability to sustain and so on and so forth and they're also inherently good at totally different things you know the harp is totally idiomatic and huge scalier sweeping and gorgeous gushing chords whereas mm-hmm. you know whereas the clarinet is, is able to you know to shape, shape even just a single note or a few notes into a beautiful phrase in the way that a harp or a piano could just simply never do um, so that, that to me immediately suggested uh, an interesting dichotomy to explore where you have instruments and musical ideas that, uh, that, that are set to sort of pit against each other in almost an argument uh, in, in one configuration and as, as they work out they eventually through you know, compositional process and time eventually you know, shape into uh, to, to become in agreement and in uh, so, yeah. the, um, so then it's, it's fair to say that the, the synthesis of each uh, instruments, musical um, uh, musical material, is unique to those instruments. You tailored it to what you you considered the to be the strengths or or just the the unique um, sounds of those instruments. I did, yeah, okay. that, 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 that's very well put. And actually, interestingly enough, um, one of the things the cello was very very good at, which is uh, you know repeated notes, uh, almost like heavy metal guitar playing. Which is which is a feature in the, in a particular part of the piece is actually not necessarily idiomatic for the bass clarinet, although it can be done. Yeah, I know. I'm playing it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I it's a little bit of a challenge, but it's a good challenge. It's 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 um, always interesting to, to to think like a string player and have to play the way um, a string player would when they know they don't have to breathe. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Morris, but actually, interestingly enough, Sean, when I was sculpting that line, knowing you were going to play it, you know, looking at uh, I don't know, sixteen measures of pretty much constant sixteenth notes, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, with you know, high notes popping out. Of course, putting that onto the clarinet meant I had to insert eighth note rests here and there. And I'm always amazed that when you when you sculpt musical phrase to, to suit human breath, it automatically always becomes better. Oh, cool. Yeah, oh, like, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it's actually, actually, an improvement in the writing. So. Cool. <laughs> so the the and so this I'm curious about this this discussion of dichotomy and contrast. So you obviously have this contrast. Is there is there any point throughout the work that you that you felt you were going to marry the two ideas or 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 start to break down the barriers of contrast and to have more symmetry between the two voices? Yeah, that's the structural, totally the structural plan, and and at, at the at the end, there's a little coda at the end of the piece where, where all these things, come in and and fit together and and sort of a counterpoint. It's kind of like you know, it's like the old Mozart trick where you know in the, the the Jupiter Symphony where he's he's got these awesome themes, you know, there's five of them and they're all awesome, and then at the end he says, yes, they're awesome, but they also fit in five part invertible counterpoint together. Check this out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that which is an ama- that's an amazing. The finale of the Jupiter is like. Like the most perfect piece of music, but anyway, that, I'm always trying to recreate a little glimmer of that of that, the brilliance of that of that that nice. piece. Um, but yeah, so at, at the end in, in the coda, all those all of the ideas co- come together in counterpoint, and they all actually fit together. So cool. it's sort of like you know the you know the victory of uh, of you know of reason over uh, over all else, which is of course a great 
hope that we have in, in humanity. Yeah. <laughs> or I have in humanity. <laughs> so the, um, I, I think our audience will find this very interesting to know, though. There's a marking in my part that actually writes, that you've written Metallica as I play one section. And I, and I know people will be very curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, as a composer, I'm always looking for, for a way to say something with total brevity that means an awful lot. One, one or two words that just speak to so much more than the definition. There's lots of good ones in, uh, in music. Like when you say dolce in a part, mm-hmm. it means soft, but it means so much more than soft. Of, of course, it, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, you're always looking for a way to, to say an awful lot of, uh, of, of uh, like a large communication with a single word. And when I was when I was writing that low repeated note that on the lowest note of the clarinet, uh, almost like heavy metal guitar playing, I thought, well, what's the best way I can say I, I can describe the tone I want? And I I, I settled on the on the word Metallica with an exclamation mark. And I think I think it's really successful because not only does it tell you where I'm coming from as a composer, it uh, it suggests a dynamic and a type of phrasing and a type of attack. And oh, absolutely! I feel like I'm supposed to be headbagging while I play. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, it's great. Well, we love the piece. It's a fantastic work, and I, I'm sure audiences will like hearing it as well on uh, this weekend at the Wolfgang uh, Sessions at the Mercury Lounge. Um, thanks for joining us today, Andrew. It's been really great to chat with you about this work, and if people are um, curious about Andrew's other music, he's written an incredible amount of, of, of music and is a very successful composer in Canada and abroad. Um, you can find his music on his website online. Uh, could you remind us, Andrew? It's Andrew yep. Stanland, right? At AndrewStanland.com. That's my Andrew Perfect. Easy. And uh, I, I, can, I can vouch for it. He's an excellent composer with some incredible music, so please check it out. On the rest of the program, you will hear some incredible music with folk music elements. Marian Mozetic and Vivian Fung both use elements of music from other parts of the world. Although Mozetic is Canadian, he was born in Italy to Slovenian parents who later moved to Canada when he was three. His string quartet, Lament in the Trampled Garden, is a lush and beautiful work evocative of neo-romantic soundscapes. Throughout the work, however, there is an underlying use of harmonies and motifs that harken back to his Slovenian roots. Vivian Fung's work, Pizzicato, was another work for String Quartet. This piece was created at a summer festival workshop where she wrote a piece that was to be played by the American String Quartet. The reading of the piece was so successful that she was encouraged to write several more movements and combine them into her first string quartet. The work's title is exactly what one can expect to hear. For the entire movement, the musicians perform only pizzicato on their instruments. This is where the musicians pluck the strings to create a sound rather than bow the string. The resulting effect creates sounds that cannot be sustained, therefore the entire texture has a very unique sound quality. During the compositional process, Vivian used elements of Chinese and Indonesian music as inspiration, and I think she executes this application beautifully to create a wonderfully exotic soundscape.
Our listeners will also hear Elizabeth Rom's arabesque for English horn and double bass, as well as Montreal composer Sami Moussa's string quartet. Tickets are almost sold out, so be sure to get them as soon as possible. There will also be a limited number of tickets available at the door. The show is this Saturday, January 16th, and there is a new start time. Doors open at 8 p.m. and the show starts at 9. As always, we're really grateful to our co-presenter, Mercury Lounge, and our partner, Arboretum Festival, for their continued support and enthusiasm for this series. Thanks for listening, and see you Saturday. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast, produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store, where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NEC podcasts at necpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre.